0: Father, we pray that you would continue to walk with each one of us as we look to the future. Uh, Father, we each come here this morning in a different place, uh, with different fears, different frustrations, different anxieties. And yet, Lord, we know that you're the one who ultimately we need to bring those to. And so, Father, we just take a moment now with whatever's on our heart this morning, whatever's on our mind, whatever's on our soul, Father, we, we give that to you. We entrust it to you. And, uh, Father, we also come to your word because we know we need your word to, to lead us and guide us. We, we need you every hour, every moment. And that means we need your word to feed us, to strengthen us, but to guide us. And so, Father, that's why we we read your word every day, but we also come here as your people every week because we want to hear you speak. We want to hear you speak clearly and powerfully to each one of us. And So, Father, we ask that you would do that now as we come to your word, that, that anything that we have going on in our hearts and in our minds or anything at all that could possibly distract us from hearing you, Father, Father, we recognize our own weakness in this. We just pray that you would do a work and you'd push those things off to the side, that you would calm our hearts and minds so that you could speak, so we could hear you speak clearly and powerfully this morning. So, Father, we we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, we are moving on to our next portion of the Gospel of John. sure, I don't have control of my clicker I don't think right now and so john we're in John six verses twenty six through fifty nine this is really last week's passage, part two. This is all building off of Jesus' miracle, where he fed you know fifteen to twenty thousand people with five loaves and and two fish, and then, and then walked on the water, right? Those kind of miracles are in the background. And then Jesus enters into a conversation with the crowds. Because the crowds, remember, this conversation kicked off. They followed Jesus across the lake, and when they got there, they found Jesus, and they said, how did you get here? And here's his response. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, But because you ate the loaves and had your fill, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Then they asked Him, what what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, believe in the one He has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves. Love that. <laughs> Jesus answered, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It's written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from Him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who's from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. So, uh, as as I was preparing for the sermon, I was thinking about some of these moments that I've had, and I'm sure you guys have had moments where, where you're talking with someone about uh, maybe an event or or an experience that you had just went through together and you're talking about it, but the more you talk about that event, the more confused you are because it seems like you were both at a different event, (laughs) right? Have you ever been there? Like you saw the same things, you experienced the same things, you heard all the same things and yet the more you talk about it, you go, were we even at the same place? And at one, of the, one of the events where I experienced this really in a strong way was on one of our winter retreats at, as, uh, in our youth ministry. Um, we, we would go away on these winter retreats, and one of the things we did is we always had this challenge for the students. And it was, it was kind of a challenge, but it was kind of a teaching thing. Like one year we were teaching about how we try to carry our own burdens all the time, so we gave them rocks. And not like little rocks, like big farm rocks. They were like 15 pounds apiece, and they carried them for the weekend. To... <laughs> um, one year, we were teaching on, on spiritual warfare, and we were talking about how that puts us in bondage, and so they spent a lot of the weekend with their hands bound, <laughs> which they didn't appreciate, and which led some kids to think, this has gone too far we are not going to listen to this. And so they just rebelled. And they rebelled on that. And after they rebelled on that, they rebelled on everything else for the entire weekend. And, and we spent, the leaders spent every moment of the weekend either disciplining this group of kids or talking to this group of kids. And, and, you know, most of the leaders from my youth group look back on that retreat and they go, that was the worst trip we have ever been on in our entire life. And you talk to some of the kids from that trip, and they would say, that was the worst trip we have ever been on in our entire lives. But then you talk to other kids from that trip, one who's here this morning, by the way, and they would say, that was the best trip I've ever been on. That was un- That changed the course of my life. And, and to be honest, I didn't even notice all of the disciplinary stuff. It just wasn't. And you go, How? How does that happen? Like, we were all there. We all saw the same thing. And and there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, it's not always just one thing. It's a complicated thing. But but one of the things that's behind that and and that we're seeing in our passage this morning is our kind of human natural tendency to see what we want to see. And because we just want to see what we want to see, it blinds us to what's actually going on. And so we, we have a tendency, we, we go into certain situations, certain experiences, and we have expectations about what we're going to find there. And so we go into that and we start looking for those things. And ta-da! We find them. And we're blinded to some of the other realities. And so we had a group of kids who go, went on the trip and said, this is going to be a terrible trip. And they spent the weekend looking at how terrible it was. And it was terrible. And we had other kids who went on the trip thinking, this, this is going to be a life-changing thing. And they went looking for that, and they, and they saw that. And uh, But the reality is, and this is one of the things we, we just need to keep in front of our eyes, is that we like to see what we want to see. And, and what ha- because of that, it often blinds us. We don't actually see reality. We're seeing what we want to see. And and that's what happened leading up to this passage, right? Jesus did this miracle for this large group of people, right? He feeds, we don't know, but we're saying fifteen to 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish, right? He, he miraculously provides for them. And remember, John's, always, John's pointing out and telling us whenever Jesus does a miracle, he's revealing himself to the people. He's saying, here's who I am, right? So he's saying... I'm the one who abundantly provides for you, right? Because there were leftovers. I'm the one that, that ultimately satisfies you. Here's who I am. And he's saying that to the crowd, but did the crowd see it? Right? They didn't see it. Why? They were looking for something else. They were looking for a political Messiah. And so when they see someone giving lots of bread, they're like, this guy, he can be king. And Jesus is like, that's not what I'm showing you. (laughs) <laughs> I'm showing you something else. And they're like, it doesn't matter. Just be our king. Because they were looking for that, and they were, they were blinded by it because they were looking for what they wanted to see. And they wanted a political Messiah. And that's, that's why Jesus starts rebuking them as, as he talks to the, the crowds. He looks at the crowd. The first thing that he says to them is, truly, truly, I say to you. And every time you hear Jesus say truly, truly, he's saying, pay attention. You're not seeking me. You're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And, and, and it's kind of an interesting passage because like 20 verses earlier, John said they were following Jesus because they saw the signs, right? And now Jesus says, you're not following me because you saw the signs. And, and what Jesus is saying is, you're not following me because you really saw the signs. You saw it. I mean, obviously they saw him Feed them. They saw the miraculousness of it. They saw it. And Jesus said, but, but you didn't understand. You, you completely missed it. The only reason you're following me is because you, your belly was full. And you're, you want more of that. And, uh, and again, it's, it's the point. I'm not going to dive into this a lot because that was the whole point of my last sermon. But why were they following Jesus? Because they wanted him? No. Only because they wanted what he could give them. And that's what he's saying. He said, you're not following me because you understand who I am. You're just following me because you, you ate your fill. You got what you wanted. That's the only reason you're following me. And he's saying, that's not, that's not what this is about. Uh, and actually, what, what I find really interesting, Jesus points out that this isn't the first time this has happened with God's people. He says, actually, God's people have seen miraculous signs over and over and over again, and they never get it. He said the same thing happened with manna in the desert. He says, I say to you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And, and Jesus, I mean, just notice how he words this. He says, there, there's a contrast between the bread from heaven and then the true bread from heaven. right?" He says, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My Father will give you true bread. And so Jesus is saying, the manna wasn't the point. It's bread from heaven. It was there, but it was another sign. It was another miracle that was designed to point you to something else. And they missed it. Right? I mean, even in the psalm that we read at the beginning of this, it said, while they were gorged in their bellies on the food of God, and the food was still in their mouths, they went, "Ah, we don't need God. And they turned away from him. Because they missed it, and Jesus is saying, "There's something more. They, your, your forefathers he says later, He says, they, they ate the bread, they ate that manna and they died still. It, it wasn't enough. there's was something more. They needed true bread that was going to come from heaven and is going to give life and, and eternal life, not just for a little bit. And they, they missed it. They just kept looking for more. Manna and more quail or doves or whatever. More of that from him. And so Jesus just clears it up and he says, I am the bread. (laughs) Just in case you've missed it, I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will not hunger. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. And what he's saying is, you remember the manna in the desert? That was about me. That was pointing you to the true bread. And, and actually, he talks about thirst. He's saying right around the same time, remember the water that gushed from the rock when you were thirsty and, and quenched your thirst? That was me. It was pointing you to me. That, that didn't satisfy you ultimately. I am the one. I'm the bread. I'm the water. And I'm the one who ultimately satisfies you. And he's again, he's taking them and saying, I'm not just the one who can give you bread through some miraculous things. I am the one. And the only way you'll ever be satisfied is in in me. And he goes on and he explains, this is why they missed it, because they were looking in the wrong places. They were looking for what they wanted to see. He says, don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him, God the Father has set His seal. And so, He's saying, you've missed it all because your eyes have been too focused on earthly things. You're looking for earthly things, and so that's all you see. Um, and if you were to raise your eyes up and not look for food that perishes, you would actually seen that I'm showing you that, that I am the bread of life. I am the one that you need to look for. Um, And and if you keep looking for food that perishes, if you keep your eyes on this earth, you'll actually never be satisfied. You'll never see me rightly. You need to open your eyes. Then, then you are satisfied. And he says, so stop working for food that perishes, but look for food that endures to eternal life. And, And another way that Jesus says that in another gospel is, Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these other things will be added to you. Stop worrying about these other things. Seek first the kingdom of God. And their response is, Okay, what do we have to do to do the works of God? Right? And and remember what I said last week. I mean, these people are are sold out. I'm going to say external followers of Jesus Christ. Right? They're willing to go into hard and difficult places to follow him. Right? Last week I said they followed him out into a desert where there was no food. That's dedication. That's devotion. They followed him across the lake. And so this is a group of people that they're coming to Jesus and saying, okay, we're willing to do whatever it takes to, to do this work. Tell us what to do and we'll do it. And he says, okay, here's the work of God. Believe in him whom he sent. That's it. Believe. Have faith. Um, and, and he's saying, that's if, if you want to be satisfied, if, if you want to actually eat the bread of life and, and not hunger and not thirst, you need faith. And apart from that, you can do nothing. And And I really like uh, Herman Ritterboss tied all this together with a really great quote. He says, all the labor and effort the people are investing to remain near Jesus, it's vain and unprofitable. It's a dead work as long as they follow Him on the basis of human expectations and not on the basis of faith. That, that's, he's saying, you can work and work and work and it means nothing apart from faith. You can do hard things, dangerous things, difficult things, and it means nothing apart from faith. It won't satisfy. It won't fulfill. It will leave you constantly longing, always hungry. You need faith. And, and what's interesting is when, when, you know, when Jesus says this part of the passage that, that kind of makes people uneasy, and they're like, what the heck is he talking about? But this is him describing true faith. My flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. So whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And he's saying that's what it means to have true faith. To feed on him. And, and uh, he means ultimately being nourished by him. Ultimately being satisfied in him. Ultimately being strengthened by him. And not by anything else, but by him ultimately. And and what's really beautiful, you know, this is a massive passage, so I can't hit everything, so we have to like hop, skip, and jump through it. But, but go home and read it and see all the different ways that he describes faith. Because he describes faith in a lot of different ways. He says that you need to believe in him if you want eternal life. You need to come to him, draw near to God if you want to have Eternal life, that's describing faith. He says, all those who truly see Him, who actually see Him for who He is, they have true faith, have eternal life. He talks about feeding on Him. He talks about, even here, those who abide in Him, who are united with Him, connected with Him, have true faith. And all of that is describing, it's not different ways to God, it's all describing the same thing. True faith. And true faith means believing in him, seeing him, drawing near to him, trusting in him, abiding in him, being nourished and satisfied and strengthened by Christ. That's, that's what true faith is. And he says that's the only way, the only way you'll receive this bread from heaven and ultimately be nourished and ultimately be satisfied is through true faith. But then he says something that make, makes us pause. He looks out at the crowd. He says, I said to you, you've seen me, in quotes, you've seen me, but you don't believe. You, you've seen me talk. You've, you've seen me do miracles. You've seen me heal men who've been paralyzed for 40 years. You've seen me do these miraculous signs and feed the city of Beaver Dam with some bran muffins and, and sardines like you've seen me do all of this stuff, you don't believe. The question is why? I mean, right? I mean, there's something inside of us that goes, if I saw someone come in with some bran muffins and sardines and feed the whole town of Beaver Dam with 12 baskets of leftover, I would believe. And the answer is, you wouldn't. <laughs> That's a hard truth for us to get. Um, and we have this tendency to think, well, we're better than them. I mean, it's like 2,000 years later. I mean, we're better than those people. They were like a bunch of backcountry hicks. Of course they didn't understand stuff. They, you know, But we're better and smarter now. We would understand and we would believe if somebody did that. And the truth is, you wouldn't. That's why people still don't believe today. And so the question is, Why? Like, what is going on that, that people can see these miracles and not believe? And, and, and actually, more importantly, what really is, not just why don't people believe, but what needs to happen in order for people to believe? And Jesus answers it really clearly. He answers it in like, he says this five or six times, we're just going to look at it once. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And then just in the next verse, he says, Everyone who has heard and learned from God comes to me. I mean, those are, I mean, this is all encompassing statements. No one, everyone. This is talking about every human being that has ever lived on the face of the earth in the past, present, or future. He says, No one will come to me unless the Father draws him. And actually, if you just apply that same logic to the next one, no one will come to me unless the Father teaches him and speaks to him. No one. And on the flip side, everyone who's been taught by God will come to Jesus. And everyone who's been drawn by God will come to Jesus. But apart from that work, it won't happen. Um, And it's really clear. Uh, I, this is one of the clearest teachings throughout the Gospel of John, and it makes us easy, but uh, it makes it easy for us to just say we, we believe this. Um, and here's what it's saying Jesus is looking out at the crowd and saying, like, our human blindness is so strong that the only way, the only way we will ever see Jesus for who he is is if God does something to us first. God has to do some kind of a miraculous sign to to open our eyes so that we can actually see Jesus for who he is. And if that doesn't happen, we will never see him. And we will continue to walk around blind. It's the only way. He He has to open our eyes. He has to speak to us. He has to teach us. He has to draw us to himself and I mean, it's the same, draw is the same word of like pulling a sword or drawing water out of a well or even dragging people off to court. I mean, God has to grab you by the shirt collar and say, You're mine. Now come in order for us to come. And it's then that we go, I see you now. I see who you are. I believe, I trust, you're the one. But God has to do the work first. And, and Jesus is saying, that's why. That's why I can, do, I can go out and do all of these miraculous signs out in the world. And only a few people will ever truly believe in him. It's because they're still blind. God hasn't done that work in them. It's the same thing now right Jesus says like it kind of become cliche that we're the hands and feet of Jesus but it's true we're we're out in the world and as Christians are out speaking and talking and acting Jesus is speaking through us to the world so they see Jesus speaking they see Jesus acting and the world says we don't want anything to do with that why they're still blind and God has to do a work he has to draw them, he has to open their eyes. he has to grab them by the shirt collar and say, "You are mine and it 's the only way it 's the only way you 'll ever come to to true faith and and uh, it's it 's a hard teaching, and there 's one real practical application that just bear with me because it 's going to sound like it 's going to sound like i 'm contradicting myself. The question is, okay, if i can 't do anything right this this teaching jesus is saying. You can do nothing apart from me, right? He'll say that again in John 15. And you're like, okay, so what do I do? <laughs> if I can't do anything, what do I, do I just sit around? What, what do I do? That's the question that they were asking him at the beginning, right? Okay, what do we do, Jesus? And he said, believe. And you go, but wait, you just told me I can't even believe apart from the work of God, and now you're telling me to believe. Like, what? And one of, the, one of the beautiful things about the Gospel of John, we've already kind of seen this logic. Um, he's always telling us to do things that we can't do apart from God's miraculous work. Think about, think about Jesus walking up to the, la, uh, the lame man at the pool. He's lame, he can't walk, and Jesus says, Get up and walk. Could he do it? No. It was impossible for him to get up and walk apart from the work of God. And yet Jesus said, get up and walk. And the guy got up and walked. Why? Because God did a powerful work. And it's the same thing Jesus is saying. When he, when he looks out at you like he did to the crowd, he says, whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. And you say, but I can't believe. He says, believe. And if you believe, it's because he did a miraculous work in you. So believe. <laughs> That's the... What do you need to do? Believe, draw near to Him, be satisfied in Him, and if that has happened in you or does happen in you, it's because God did a work in you. It's not because you were smarter or better than anybody, but it's because God grabbed you by the collar and said, "You're mine now." Come, and you say, "Yes, sir." <laughs> and It was a complete work of God from beginning to end. And what the beautiful part of it is, is that the rest of your Christian life then is also a work of God from beginning to end. Um, One of the things that gets missed in this passage um, are are, a a whole bunch of lines that Jesus says, and I'm just going to kind of put them up there. Um, You know, you'll see all the different, six different passages, but, but hear this repeated phrase of Jesus in here. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. He said, I will lose nothing that the Father has given me, but I will raise it up on the last day. And then he says later, I will raise it up on the last day. And then he says again, I will raise it up on the last day. And then he says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And what? I will raise it up on the last day. And he's saying, you came to faith because God did a work in you and i will hold on to you and i will never let you go and you will finish the race and i will raise you up on the last day it's not i might i will it will happen and 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 the beauty is that like now you don't live life going am i strong enough to finish like can can i can i finish this race i the, the, one, the answer is, no. You're not strong enough to finish. But God is. And he said, I've got you. You will, you will finish. I, I'm the author. That's why Jesus is called the author and what? Perfector, of our faith. He said, you're in my hand. I've got you. I will bring you through. And I will raise you on that final day. And so, of course you're not smart enough to run this race and of of course you're not strong enough to run this race and of course you're not good enough or whatever so stop worrying about it that's that's really the point stop worrying about how insufficient you are and trust the one who said i've got you i will carry you i will strengthen you i'll provide for you i will satisfy you i will walk you through this life and i will bring you to the end and i will raise you up on that last day trust me. Trust me. Follow me with the strength that I give you and have faith in me with the faith that I give you. And then long for the day when I will raise you up. And that's going to be a day. And, and and there's a beautiful connection. You know, that day when Christ brings us through this life and raises us in new life on the last day and brings us into eternity with Him, we're going to hear, blessed are all those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we're going to hear this, they will hunger no more. They will thirst no more. The sun won't strike them, nor any scorching heat. The Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And Jesus is saying, actually, the, mirror, the manna and the water in the desert, the bread that I gave you here, it's pointing to me, but it's pointing beyond me to this, when you will be satisfied forever. And you'll fully, on that day, will fully experience Jesus as the bread of life. And as we learned earlier, as the living water, who quenches every thirst, and who fills every hunger, and we will be satisfied for eternity. And we'll praise Jesus for eternity because we'll say, we didn't do anything to deserve this. You did it all first to last. You brought me in, you sustained me throughout, and you raised me to new life, and now I'll spend eternity praising you and thanking you for what you've done. Let's come to him in prayer. Father, God, we come into your presence. I say in awe of who you are, and in awe of your mercy and grace in our lives, Father. We we come to you recognizing our own blindness and our own weakness. Father, we come to you recognizing that if it was up to us and if it was up to our strength and wisdom, we we would have never turned to you. We would have continued to walk away from you. And so, Father, we we confess that to you. We confess that even after we've come to you in faith and as we continue to try to live out our faith, we constantly try to pretend like we're the sufficient ones. And we constantly try to look for satisfaction in, in much lesser things. And we constantly look to you only for your gifts. We constantly think we're strong enough. we We confess that to you, Lord, because we know that's foolish and it's wrong and it's not helpful. We just confess that. We ask that you would forgive us for our pride. And more than just forgive us, Father, we pray that you would restore us and renew our hearts that your spirit would come into our lives and and strengthen our bodies and set our feet on the right path and and change our hearts so that we would love you more and open our eyes so that we would see you rightly and strengthen our feet so that we would walk faithfully on the path that you've given us. And then may your spirit stir hope in our hearts as we look to that final day that we would have faith that you will raise us up And that we would see the beauty of what it will be like to sit and eat and drink and be nourished and strengthened and satisfied by you for eternity. Father, do that work in us now and hold on to us and bring us to that day in the future. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.